Welcome to The Nation, a Floyd's 99 Barbershop podcast. In The Nation, you'll hear stories that come straight from the barbershop floor. Stories that affect our barbers and stylists, as well as everyone who sits in our chairs. Sit back, relax, and enjoy The Nation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Nation. I'm your, one of your hosts, Patrick Butler, and joining me today, I'm so excited to have one of my fellow co-hosts. She's been on several shows before, Kelly Wollin. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. Well, as we've dived into this new year, Kelly, we, we've had some good talks, but here's one that I'm really excited about because you and I have talked about this many times uh, personally, but I'm excited to have this on the show. We're talking about how some things have shifted in our world, in particular with the shifts in the restrictions that we've all faced. In other words, we've gone through a lot of mandates, distancing, restrictions, very important things to, for protection. But now as we've shifted in our world, some of those things are being dropped. But in the process, one of the things I've noticed, Kelly, is that it's shifted a lot of things on in how we engage, right? And how we communicate and connect. And I find that very interesting because we're in the service industry at Floyd's and we perform a lot of great services in our shops, specifically haircuts, of course. But in doing so over the last two years, we've had real uh, strong restrictions with masks in particular. And what it's led to is a disconnection in the relationship with our client and our staff. And now we're taking those off and we're trying to engage again. And I got to be honest with you, I have noticed that that's been difficult for some people to engage again. I don't know what you've seen, Kelly, and what you've witnessed and observed, but we're going to talk about connection a little bit and the importance of it. And I can't think of a better time to do so. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Like the masks have really become a social barrier. Like people don't give you eye contact and, you know, they don't talk. It's not fun to talk through a mask. So that that connection has been missing. It's really exciting to see it come off. But even in myself, you know, like going through COVID, being more remote like I found that I've even forgotten ways to personally connect with people like I'm really good at being on the computer and writing a really great apology but like when I'm on my feet I'm just not quite as nimble anymore so you know really working on getting back to how do we personally connect in person well as we do so we thought it'd be great to have a guest join us to help us with this and I've had the pleasure of working with her in the past because of her her strengths and skills and now we get to speak to her today joining us on the nation today is Meredith Grundy. Meredith, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I don't want to lead too far into it without having you explain a little bit about your background. I, I knew I wouldn't do it justice. And so I'm hoping that you can help our listeners understand your background and what you focus on right now. Uh, thank you. Well, it's, uh, I will give you the cliff note version of my background for the, for, for your listeners. <laughs> I have always been a performer. I started off dancing. I grew up actually in Fort Collins, Colorado, where my parents put me in a, I asked them actually, I was like, I want to take jazz just like Mona. And Mona was my friend in school at the time. And they're like, okay, great. She's excited about something. Let's put her in a dance class. And from there, I continued to do that. And about the age of 15, there was a woman watching a show where I had to do a triple turn and stop and say, when I grow up, I want to be just like Wonder Woman on stage. And this woman was watching in the audience. And afterwards, she followed me towards the dressing rooms. And she said, Meredith, Meredith, just can you stop for a second? I said, yes. And she goes, you need to be taking acting classes. You have a lovely presence on stage and a dynamic voice on stage. And I went, oh, really? Okay. So mom, dad, would you pay for acting lessons? And they said, yes. So I got the bug from there. And then of course, fell in love with that community. I fell in love with the creative 
community of theater artists. And so I did that all throughout high school and then left and moved to San Francisco and did some sketch comedy and did some avant-garde experimental devised theater work and some, you know, some more traditional theater stuff. And then I had a member of this sketch comedy group that I was in called Old Man McGinty. And he was like, I move into Chicago. I'm going to study improv. And I'm like, I want to move to Chicago and study improv. So I hightailed it to Chicago where I interned my way through uh, what was formerly IO Improv Olympic. And I ended up getting to perform on their stages and then uh, was teaching in an after-school program with a core faculty member of the Second City. And she said, we really like what you're doing with the kids. Would you come and help us develop this youth program at the Second City? And I'm like, uh, yes. So I ended up going there. And then I was like, oh, I want to do more of my experimental moving around and improvising kind of work and get my master's degree in theater. So then I hightailed it to Boulder, Colorado, where I went to Naropa and got my uh, master's degree in contemporary performance. And all while doing that, I was using improv as a tool to help build better teams through using applied improvisation in the more corporate organizational structures. So that's that's what I was doing. That was kind of supplementing my income while going in and out of shows as an artist. So I've been a freelancer my entire life as an artist and as a facilitator teaching workshops in applied improvisation to organizations. And now uh, I lived in Colorado for 10 years, worked throughout, we met through the Denver Center, Patrick. And then I am now in New York City because I've always wanted to live here. And so my husband and I were like, let's move to New York City. We're not getting any younger and we have a daughter and she should grow up there because I love the diversity and the culture and I want my kiddo to be exposed to that. So that's it. That's my story. That was the cliff note version. <laughs> Man, that is a action packed history. That's fantastic. But what I love about that, Meredith, is all of that built. I mean, it literally every time stop you made it built on the previous journey and it just built into this moment where you are right now, especially with the coaching that you do and the help that you've provided. And I think that's so amazing. And you mentioned something, Meredith, that really was like a common thread throughout your improv the improv level that you did. And I, I now see how that has really benefited you and helped you um, help others essentially with their presentation skills, their speaking skills, their communication skills. I can only imagine how much that's helped. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Oh, tremendously. I've built a business now, Meredith Grundy Coaching, where I specifically help people one-on-one with their public speaking and presentation skills. Uh, And I also work with teams and organizations on helping them be more clear and concise with their messaging because actually a lot of money gets lost when we're not communicating clearly. And so we, we, We lose money not only internally because we have to go back and re-explain things and do things again, but we're also losing customers and those potential clients of ours because we're not able to clearly educate or inform them about whatever it is that we're trying to communicate product-wise or solution-wise. And so that I've, from my improv background, have developed this because people would ask me, well, that was a great workshop. Can you now help me with this over here? And I would say, I might, you know, Tina Fey has this wonderful quote, say yes and figure out the rest later was kind of, that was, <laughs> that has been my mantra for many a year. <laughs> it has served, it has served me well 
So, well, you, that's a good segue for us because, you know, Kelly and I have talked a lot about how this has affected our business. And of course at Floyd's, you know, having barbershops across the country, the service industry has definitely been affected by everything that's happened. And as we kind of come to a new phase of our reality right now, and as things have shifted, we're now trying to re-engage and, and we're doing that on multiple levels, as we mentioned, and that's created some challenges for people. And I've had many conversations with our staff about how that can be difficult to engage. And it's almost like you're you're having to teach yourself to how to re-engage with people. And I'm think, hoping that we can talk about maybe some things that might help some people to do so. What are some simple steps that people can take to re-engage and have a, a really productive conversation? In the hair world, you would assume that most of us in, in behind the chair are extroverts and we're very creative and outgoing. And yet you'd find that there are a lot of us that are actually the opposite and quite introverted. And sometimes engaging in a conversation is challenging. And so I'm hopeful that we can kind of touch on that because I think we've seen a lot of that, Kelly, in some of the commentary that you've received. Kelly's done such an amazing job with um, our client experience and getting feedback from our team. And I think you've noticed that as well. I don't want to speak for you though. I have. I think that, you know, when we started, when we reopened with masks, like we found that there was a lot of great difficulty, especially in communicating through them. And then it became habit to kind of not communicate through them to do the bare minimum. And I know, Patrick, you've spoken about a silent service where we've gotten in the habit of like, okay, figuring out what the client wants. And then the rest of the service is silent because it's difficult to communicate through a mask. So it's breaking those habits too. Now that the masks are gone, remembering that the masks aren't there and really building that bridge to communicate again. And it's huge because, you know, you bring up a great point about the silent service. That's truly what it's become. And we've utilized the mask as, as kind of our defense. That's our, our safety net. So we don't have to engage. And now those are off and I can, I can see you and I can see your smile, hopefully and engage with you. But striking up that conversation and engaging, I think is, is is challenging. And Meredith, I'm hopeful that we can talk about, you know, some ways that people, even if you feel like you might be an introvert, maybe you are, maybe you just are just shy in general. How can you engage simply with someone and, and strike up a conversation and keep that going so you can develop that connection that we're looking for? Yeah, I thank you. And I feel, you know, and, and just to be fair, I feel like we're all, we hold both, right? Like I, I definitely need my alone time. Like I'm not on 24-7. <laughs> Though some people might argue with that. So I feel that one thing is to be really, so for example, leading with an open-ended question versus a closed-ended closed question, instead of saying, how was your weekend? The person can easily just say good, right? But if you're more specific and you say, what's one thing you did this last weekend that was fun? Then they could say, I went surfing or I went snowboarding or I stayed at home and had movie night with the family whatever the answer might be, then that way you can start to open up conversation and start to find commonalities through that lens of curiosity. So then the next, oh, you snowboard. I sn where did you go, right? Oh, I went to, what's, what's a place to go? Look, it's all, I've left Colorado for four years and I can't remember <laughs> the name of a mountain. I went to Summit County. Oh, cool. I love going there, right? So then you, you start- <laughs> You start you remember to build. Where go, but you remembered the county. <laughs> I remember the county. <laughs> There's a lot of places in that one county. So yeah, you can um, you you can start to build from there the conversation, right? So then let's just say, for example, that person doesn't really give you anything back. They just say, "Well, I didn't do anything." 
then right. you go, God, yeah, you know what? Sometimes doing nothing is really just what we need, isn't it? Right. And then you're, you're it's again, curiosity. So what does that look like to not do anything? Right. How does that feel? Amazing. I need to do not do anything. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't do anything this weekend either. I just watched euphoria, right. Or whatever. That's I watch Netflix. Like what do you do when other people aren't receptive to you making that connection? You know, like, and, you know, are there cues? Do you have any advice on like cues when, you know, you can tell people don't want to talk sometimes in our business, like people really just want to relax and not say anything, but some people really want to engage. Do you have any tips on, you know, how to read those cues? Looking at the, someone's facial expressions, like you can tell if people aren't making eye contact with you, or let's just say they look distracted. So noticing what, what are some of those, those little indicators that are like, maybe they're trying to reach for their book, but you keep talking to them or they want to just sit there and mess on their phone and they want to be left alone. That's definitely a thing. I do feel it's important, however, that we, especially in the service industry have made that initial contact to say, I'm here, I care, I want you to have the best experience possible. So it's finding those moments when you can of making that really, and we use the word authentic loosely, but bringing your full self forward with the eye contact, the, the smile, being able to, and I know Patrick, we've talked about this too, it's like, Instead of just standing behind their chair the entire time, what does it look like to shift your body and stand in front and maybe turn their chair around so that you can look at each other and get on uh, on each other's level so that the communication is heightened in that listening is heightened. And then finding those moments of, you know, it's almost like a, it's, it, if it's, um, it's a kinesthetic response, right? So if someone adjusts Maybe you adjust or that becomes your opportunity to say, how are you liking the cut right now? Or, oh, I've got this product I'm putting in your hair and I, I think you're going to really like it. It's called this. Smell it, right? Senses. We love things that that open up our senses. And I also feel like just being transparent yourself. How are you feeling? Are you feeling like, are you feeling the need for conversation? Because I'm down for a juicy conversation today. But if you want to be left alone, because I get it, you're a mom or you're, you've probably had a busy week, then like, let's do that. Do you want some music? Do you want me to like, I have got this essential oil here. I don't know, like finding ways to like really hone in on where that person is at and making that experience like exclusive to them, making them feel incredibly special. Uh, so how do you go about doing that? And it really means being in tune and letting go of you can, You have to be present. Well, and I think if I'm going to jump in and piggyback on that in the sense that, you know, you do have to be in tune. And one of the things that we've identified is that after we've received a little bit of information up front, meaning, hey, what are we going to do today? And obviously we're going to perform a haircut right. uh, and we got some details about what the expectation is. Suddenly we start, you know, as a stylist or barber, we start diving into the service and we want to perform that service. But I, I really feel strongly about making sure you can be present and in tune. And then, you know, there's some simple things that I like to do if I'm behind the chair and that is I'll literally stop for a moment while someone's explaining to something, make sure I can look th at them through the mirror. Or if I can spin them to your point and look at them and really dial in and say, hey, wait a minute, tell me more about that. You did what? And letting them know that I'm in tune and I'm listening and I'm present with you and building on the conversation. And I love what you said earlier. Even if someone said, oh, I, I don't want to do anything, even acknowledging that and, and really saying, hey, wait a minute, 
so I love that too. Just being able to relate makes such a deep connection instantly. And I love the things that you mentioned because those visual cues are very, very important because our body language behind the chair, especially, can be very telling. And when I say telling, I mean, it can also say that we're not in tune. If we just, you know, phase things out and are just focused on uh, cutting, doing whatever we're doing and not really listening, that can be a, a bad cue towards a client as well. So taking that time to be present, listen and acknowledge is really, really key here. You know, shifting through that a little bit, Meredith, I want to talk about some questions and you're really good at this. You help me as, as you know, at Floyd's, we're doing some things to help our team across the country make connections. And one of the things that you helped me with is just to strike up a conversation. And that's helped a lot of our team members just getting to know you. And I want to break this down very simply for our listener. In other words, when we're meeting someone for the first time, and you have to understand in the hair industry, we meet a lot of people for the first time, a lot of first time clients who come in and we're meeting them. And within minutes, we're engaging in a conversation because we have to perform a personal service, but then they're going to sit there for another 30 to 40 minutes. And that means that we need to engage. And what you've done so well, Meredith, has helped us understand how to strike up a conversation. And again, asking a few questions and you touched on this earlier about you know whether it be are you are you going to work today are you going what are you doing this weekend that sort of thing but you're really good about building on that and that's where i've seen some people struggle in other words i've asked my initial question and i thought this is it this is going to help me strike up the conversation but then they don't necessarily know how to respond and build on the conversation and i'm hopeful that you can kind of help us touch on that and help someone understand how to build on a conversation yeah so one of the foundations of improvisation, which is which is why I like to use it often, is yes and. So really hearing what the person said and then yes anding back. And yes and, just to be clear, isn't like I'm going to agree with everything that you have to say because you might have an opposing point of view with what that person has said. We never know who ends up in our chair. But what we can do is find acknowledgement. We can acknowledge that person and we can hear them. I feel like that's the intersection of empathy. And then you can and continue with the conversation from there. So for example, and I'm going to use a really, and I'm improvising this example right now, <laughs> but um, if, if the question was, what is your favorite fruit? And you might say, oh God, I just really love a grapefruit in the morning, right? And I'm the customer and you, you don't like grapefruits right? You hate them. You're like, they're the most disgusting thing in the world. Uh, you could say, yeah, a grapefruit in the morning, I can imagine sounds really refreshing, right? So you can say that and say, and I really prefer in the morning, like some scrambled eggs some bacon and toast, you know, like I need that heartiness in my belly, right? So you're, you're able to then continue the conversation and then say, but the one thing I definitely can't do without in the morning is coffee, right? So we start to think about, okay, well, what, think about your own life. Like, what are the things that you enjoy and share and God, and then the customer might, the client might say, I love, I can't live without the coffee either. Now, ooh, boom, your commonality, right? So it's about really acknowledging, it's listening, it's being present and continuing with that level of curiosity. So I hope that was a good example that I just pulled out of thin air. Well, yes. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, well, and I think that's so important. And I'll tell you why, Meredith, because one thing that Kelly and I have had to deal with a lot at Floyd's is 
and, and anybody doing hair or working in the shop can attest to this, is you strike up a conversation and now more than ever, this is challenging because the client suddenly feels like the spotlight is turned on them and the microphone's in front of their mouth. And not always, but many times this occurs, unfortunately. And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, a divisive topic may come into play. So in other words, their their thoughts on any sort of mandates or, or regulations or guidelines that they don't agree with. And let's be real here, coming through the pandemic and getting to the phase that we are as we deal with it has been challenging for many. And there have been guidelines such as mask stipulations and, and distancing, and clients haven't liked that. And we all understand that. But what it's done is is put people in difficult positions when they're trying to hold a conversation. In other words, the client has definitely taken the time to let you know, man, I don't like this, or man, I hate this, right? And it's turned it down the road that is somewhat negative. And what we've tried to do is help our team understand how to pivot out of that conversation and maybe use some of the techniques that you've talked about. And I feel now more than ever, this is really important um, because people feel stuck. And they, to your point, sometimes they feel like they have to agree because if they don't agree, this person is going to be even more upset. And they, they find themselves up against the wall. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. And what it makes me think is that we... We may not agree, but the one, but what is the commonality in this for all of us is that it's, it's confusing for all of us. That's a, that's a commonality. So you can, you can still speak your truth without it being conflict, like a conflict without it becoming a a place of argument potentially. Right. So I would say in those moments, it's the acknowledgement is a key. That's where the yes. And comes in. I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I agree that it's very complicated for a lot of us right now and very confusing, right? So that's not acknowledging I, you, you, might, you might be pro-mask. You're not acknowledging, you're not saying, yes, you're right, the mask mandate's stupid. You're just saying, it's just confusing for all of us. Exactly. And what I've tried to encourage our team to do is, is acknowledge and then pivot back to the main the hair. Yeah. In other <laughs> words, you know, yeah, I hear you. It can definitely be a challenging uh, time and topic. And I'll tell you what, I really want to focus on our goal today. Let's get back to that. Help me understand what we need to do today and shift right off of it. So just want to bring that up because unfortunately that's something that we face a lot behind the chair. Well, as we keep going, Kelly, I'm, I'm curious, you, uh, Kelly gets to hear and see a lot of feedback from um, the field and a lot of f- feedback from our clients. And Kelly, I I think we've touched on a lot of the things that we're seeing and hearing in the field. I'm trying to see if there's anything else on the table that we haven't hit on that list because you didn't see and hear it all. I do, um, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of it comes from the disconnection rather than the connection. It's when that connection breaks down, you know, that there's a lot of opportunities and it does break down in that connecting that consultation piece that we always talk about as a part of the service is really taking the time to really listen to someone someone and understand what it is that they're looking for. And, you know, it's hard when, you know, maybe you're not feeling your best. Maybe you're not the one that's not really feeling open to connection. You know, it's not always just the client. It can be yourself as well. And, you know, the thing I would say about connection is like, you really can't truly connect with another human without making yourself feel better in the process. So even if you don't feel like it, like just really pushing yourself, you know, like Meredith said, like the asking that one open-ended question could get you out of, you know, your state of mind and focus on someone else. When you're focused on someone else, it really does, you know, get you outside of yourself and able to, you know, get over that, that feeling of disconnection. I 
know, so many of us are coming from a place of burnout or stress. And when you really do, you know, stop that shutting down, I know I'm guilty of it as well. Um, you know, when you really push yourself to be like, okay, I'm really going to listen. And, you know, when you make that connection, it really is magical. And I see it in the client's feedback, like these really tiny, simple things that we can do make a huge difference. They're like the Floyd's difference is they ask me questions I've never been asked before when I get my haircut. And it's just something as simple as like, you know, what didn't you like about your last haircut? And suddenly it's like, wow, like no one's ever asked me that before. And it makes it special. And then you make them feel important and seen. And suddenly it's this whole magical experience that really is just very simple things we can do from as one human to another. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I love that you brought up that we also as as the service provider have multiple things going on for ourselves too. And sometimes it's incredibly hard to be present and that, that ability to be able to like shift gears or adjust and make it all about how you're going to make that client feel good and add value for them. It is, it does work. It works, but you have to trust that that's going to work. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I'm, I've been working like all of us, like a lot of us um, virtually, (laughs) Right. And I'll have a client and then my daughter has just had like a, a breakdown tantrum because of homework or whatever conflict has come up. And I have to be able to come and put my attention into my client. I can't still be negotiating. Unfortunately, I will help my daughter later, but like I've got to be able to shift those gears in that moment. And when I do put all my attention to my client, I notice my heart starts to feel less heavy I start to shift um, into more of a lighter space and it does, you have to trust that it, it will work. It will work as long as you're present. You know, in the hair industry, it's challenging for us because we see a lot of people during the day. So it's yeah. not just one or two, it could be 10 to even 15 people. And the challenge for us is what we call the big reset. You know, mm-hmm. your first client, you get all the energy. I'm starting out my day. I'm fresh. Well, what about client six, seven, eight, or even 12, 13, or 14 and resetting. But to Kelly's point, really making sure that you can ask a couple things to Meredith's point, be present. I mean, that acknowledgement, that presence makes a big difference because it's their first visit, not the 12th. And that's a key, key point here in this conversation. Well, listen, as we wrap down, I am just so thankful you've been able to take some time with us to talk, Meredith, and really understand connection and how to do so. One thing I wanted to tell everybody, if you have the opportunity, um, please visit LinkedIn and visit Meredith Grundy, and it's Meredith, M-E-R-I-D-I-T-H, and then Grundy, G-R-U-N-D-E-I, and understand a little bit more about her coaching and the opportunities that she has, because she actually features a lot of things virtually, and you can actually have access to them, and they can definitely make an impact on your life, especially in dealing with some of the topics we've talked about today. So I encourage you to check that out, and we'll also put that information in our description. So if you need to visit that, so you can visit her, please do so. So that's a lot. But Meredith, I can't thank you enough for helping us understand a little bit more about connection and how to do so today. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been really wonderful to speak with you, Patrick, and to meet you and speak with you, Kelly. On behalf of Kelly and myself and the rest of the nation and Meredith Grundy, thank you so much. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. Yeah.
This episode of The Nation is brought to you by Floyd's 99 Barbershop, where service sets us apart. You can get a haircut anywhere, but you can only get your haircut at Floyd's. That's right. When you sit in our barber chair, you're going to get a full consultation so we can understand exactly what you need to look and feel your best. Now, in addition to a great haircut, you're also going to receive a hot lather neck shave. It leaves your skin feeling so smooth and it feels wonderful. To top that off, we give you a relaxing shoulder massage that will leave you feeling like a million bucks you can't get that kind of service anywhere else walk in or go online and book an appointment do yourself a favor and get the service and attention you deserve at floyd's barbershop 